0: Leviticus eighteen twenty four through thirty, our subject prison. Defile not ye yourselves in any of these things, for in all these the nations are defiled which I've cast down before you. The land is defiled. Therefore I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it, and the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of these, any of your nation, or any stranger that sojourneth among you. For all these abominations of the men of the land is done, which were before you, and the land is defiled. The land spew not you out also, when you defiled it, it, spewed out the nations that were before you. For whosoever shall commit any of these abominations, even the souls that commit them, should be cut off from among their people. Therefore shall ye keep mine ordinance, that ye commit not any one of these abominable customs that are committed before you, and that ye defile not yourselves therein. I am the Lord, your God. subject this morning is prison. On several occasions we have touched on the matter and we have seen that there is no prison system in physical law. In fact, there is no reference in the law to prisons. In Leviticus 24, 12 and Numbers 15, 34, there are references to men under arrest being kept
1: in custody
0: pending a trial, but not until the time of the kings was there an actual prison, and even then its only purpose was the old men in custody pending their trial. Imprisonment, therefore, was no part of biblical law as a punishment. There was no formal means of holding men in custody, even in the time of the kings for any protracted time, except to throw them in the lower parts of the king's palace and serve in the dungeon. Thus, Jeremiah, when he was illegally held in custody, was thrown into a deep pit, which was apparently an abandoned well. King's Palace. The method of dealing with criminals in biblical law is basically threefold. First of all, there was, as we have seen, capital punishment for capital offenses and for all incorrigible criminals. As we have seen, this lingered on in American law so that, until fairly recently, uh, in many states, a third-time offender... Some states four times was executed. One such case is now still pending before the Supreme Court. Second, for all other offenses—that is, offenses that were not capital offenses—restitution
1: to restore
0: Godly order was required, so that the thief was required to restore that which he had stolen plus an equivalent amount at a minimum. Third, where the criminal was unable to make restitution, he had to enter a bond service to work out his restitution. Now the principle of the physical law is clearly set forth in our scripture. The whole point of the law is restore godly order and to avoid defiling God's land the earth is the law therefore God throughout the law in passage after passage declares defile not ye yourselves in all these things for in all these the nations are defiled which I cast out the you. the land is defiled therefore I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it and the land itself vomited out or inhabitants. In other words, man has two directions to go. Either he restores the earth and makes it again the garden of God, a paradise under God, or else he pollutes it by his sin, by his iniquity, and the earth casts man out. Man is subject to God's judgment. Because of this, says he shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgment and goes on to emphasize emphatically that sin defiles the man and the land and destroys and upsets God's order therefore God upsets and destroys every man and every order that defiles the earth man's purpose is
1: the door the earth
0: to build his reconstruction. And when he turns aside from that fact, he faces judgment. This was biblical law. When Christianity moved into the Greek and Roman civilization, an unhappy compromise began with Greco-Roman criminology, the pagan criminology. Now, Greeks, Romans, pagans, all of them, had strong elements of restitution in their lives. But they also leaned very heavily towards punishment. As a result, the idea of punishment began to creep into the law. We know from the New Testament that one of the forms of punishment among the Romans was torture. Various other right means imprisonment at times for a limited period. But even then, when prisons finally came in, it was in fairly recent times, in the 18th century. When they first came in, they were not as places of confinement, but basically in the preceding period for torture or hold men for ransom. When they came in as a regular means of imprisonment in the eighteenth century, they were a product of humanism. We read, for example, in one of the English criminologists of over a century ago, Major Arthur Griffiths, I quote, It must be borne in mind that all this time, that is prior to the eighteenth century, the prisoners in the prisons were primarily places of detention. Not a punishment. The bulk of those committed to their safekeeping were accused persons awaiting trial and due process of law or death. And of these, again, by far the most numerous class were the impecunious and the unfortunate, whom a mistaken system locked up and deprived of all means of paying their liabilities. Now and again, an offender was sentenced to be imprisoned in default of payment of fine or to pass the interval Between certain periods of disgraceful exposure on the pillory, imprisonment had as yet no regular place in the code of penalties, and the jail was only the temporary lodging of culprits duly tried and sentenced according to law. The punishment most in favor in these ruthless times was death. Unquote. We will come back perhaps at a later date to the matter of the common use of the death penalty It came from Anglo-Saxon law, just in passing. The rise of humanism thus led to radical changes to the physical system, which was death for capital offenses and in and restitution for others. Savage punishment was the first corrective in terms of Humanism. The humanists felt that punishment would reform people.
1: Then the
0: next corrective was to get rid of that. Deportation. So there was a period, as we know from English history more intimately, when convicts were deported. Some were deported to this country. Most were deported to Australia. So that deportation was the idea, because it was believed that these people were taken over to a new country and given a fresh start, all would be well. Well, the consequences for Australia's history were for a long time very, very ugly. These people did not become new people in a new land, they became all the uglier Then, after the deportation method, the prison system, as a saving thing, became more and more advanced. The belief that punishment and loss of liberty would lead to reformation. Now, imprisonment as punishment has given way to the idea of rehabilitation. In California, we're quite familiar with this because we have one class of prisons called correctional facilities. The last word you can use in those institutions is to call them a prison. They're not. These are for the better class of prisons who are going to be, prisoners who are going to be
1: rehabilitated.
0: As you know, the papers within the past week reported one guard being stopped to death by these model business. Now, as we analyze the idea of criminologists today, we find that they are turning increasingly against everything they have done so far. For example, James B. Bennett writes, and I quote, the old doctrine that the purpose of the criminal law to exact from the criminal a retributive suffering proportionate to the seriousness of the offense has given way to the effort to combine deterrence and public protection with restoration of the offender to a more self-sustaining role in the community. Unquote. I might add that... This man and others, as they survey the prison system and all, assume that this is one of the evils they've inherited from us. They won't admit that it was their idea that they overthrew the doctrine of restitution as stricter teaches it for the prison system. So they always, these humanists, turn around and treat everything that they are discarding as somehow our property. There are certain basic errors in the perspective of Bennett and other criminologists. First of all, his statement shows that the criminal law is invested with a religious and a messianic role. They feel that they have a, a duty to save the criminal. Now, this asks more of the law than the law can deliver. It makes the psychiatrist or the criminologist into a savior, really, into a Christ whose duty it is to save men. Moreover, as I've indicated, they misinterpret history. They see retribution as though it meant exacting suffering. Now, this is a humanistic idea. The doctrine of retribution in terms of the Bible or the doctrine of vengeance means giving justice where justice is due and involves restitution.
1: Vengeance is not an ugly word.
0: It's a godly word. And God insists that vengeance is his prerogative. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, said the Lord. Now what does that mean? It means, first of all, that God directly intervenes to exercise vengeance against men and nations but then God also ordained systems of vengeance, criminal law
1: in terms of scripture
0: to exact the death penalty and to exact the requirement of restitution. Now this is God's vengeance and it's a very important thing. then third, The perspective of Bennett and other modern criminologists is individualistic. They would not like being called individualistic because they are basically socialists, which we cannot take away from them. But when they deal with a criminal, all they're concerned about is the individual, the criminal. They're not interested in society then. They're not interested in what the criminal has done to the social martyr or to its victim. So the very thing they accuse of, us of being individualistic, they are guilty of in a very fearful way. Their individualism when it comes to crime dissolves the criminal of any responsibility to society. And as a result, They make it their duty to save the man, and they become individualistic where they should be social. Salvation is personal. Law is not when it is the law of the society. As a result, they turn the law into a mockery. They make it the duty of the law to save criminals. And of course, the mental health program is applied to criminal law. Criminology is the modern way. It may come as a surprise to you, but very few people who are sentenced to prison today ever go to prison. It was admitted on television in the past week by one prominent public official that only 14% of all those in the United States today who are sentenced to prison actually ever go to prison. 14%! That's a startling fact, is it not? Does it not account for a good deal of our problems? Even their own system is not being fault. They are given suspended sentences, or put on probation, or are referred to a And that's the answer. So, 86% of all men who are sentenced for criminal offenses are on the streets. Humanism has come full circle it began by replacing restitution of the prison system what is it now in process of doing it is restoring restitution on a humanistic basis it is requiring society to make restitution to the criminal for its supposed neglect this is the result of its environmentalism They are saying, in effect, that society must make atonement and restitution
1: to the criminal.
0: Restitution, thus, is, again, the standard of the law. But it is a humanistic doctrine of restitution. And humanistic restitution is anti-law, in that it is fundamentally hostile to any concept of absolute law absolute law replaced replace with the absolute person. It is not God's moral order that is important, but the individual. The result is that when this process is pursued, you have an end to any law order because the law order cannot be maintained if man is made absolute. The law order is then replaced with a lawyer order. What is the difference between the two? One of the things this country was most afraid of when it was established was a lawyer order because humanism is already beginning to introduce it into England. When the Massachusetts Bay colony was established, and we aren't told this very often, but, wow. one of their first laws was to prohibit anyone from practicing law for money. They were so afraid of lawyers. Why? Wow.
1: What did they have in mind? In
0: a few years, of course, that law was removed but only after they had firmly established their entire legal basis of this in colony after colony in terms of biblical law. In a law order, this biblical law alone can provide. Every man knows the law. The expression, ignorance of the law is no excuse, is a hangover from the days of biblical law. In terms of biblical law, which rests on a fundamental law order in the universe, every man knows that murder is wrong, that theft is wrong, that bearing false witness is wrong, and so on. And as these things are taught by means of Christian schools and Christian churches and Christian homes, they become basic to the character and knowledge of every man. But you have a lawyer order, arbitrary laws that have no relationship to God's moral law. And a thing is not murder unless the state defines it precisely. And if, as in the state of Michigan a few years ago, a particular form of murder was not covered by the law, then it isn't a crime. The then how do you know the law? Ignorance of the law is then inescapable, is it not? How are you to know all the laws that the state passes every day of the year? You can't know them. Your ignorance is inescapable in a lawyer order because it is positive law, that is, state enacted law without any reference to a fundamental law order. Even the lawyers do not know the law because it's something that's arbitrary. Thus, the average lawyer, when he takes a case which deals with a particular facet of the law, has to research the law at that point in order to understand it. So today you have legal specialization. And even within their own field, the specialist has to work continually researching the law. Some ten years ago, I was in the Offices of a prominent legal specialist who practices before the Supreme Court, who has held one of the top positions in law in the United States in Washington, D.C., and who is presently on a Superior Court bench of the state of California. And I listened to him as he answered the phone, dealing with top corporations whose cases he was handling. His almost stock answer was, well, I'll have to check it at that point, in terms of this or that case that is pending, and this or that decision which has been rendered. In other words, there was no obvious truth about anything. It all depended on what had been just enacted in a particular state or in Washington, and what decision had just been rendered. So it was a matter of continual research. And he, perhaps the top authority in his field in the United States, would never say, this it is in terms of a fundamental moral concept. Now that's a lawyer order. The law is no longer meaningful to anyone. What happens when the law is no longer meaningful to anyone? The law loses its authority, does it not?
1: In a biblical
0: law order where ignorance of the law is no excuse, because the law is written into the being of every man, and every man knows it from scripture and studies. Every man can respect the authority of the law and know it, and every man can be a law enforcement agent that believes the loyalty of every citizen. What happened to this country when you had a law order that made the lawyer the most important man in American society, did it not? That's a strange fact. But when you examine that fact, it becomes obvious. Until the Civil War, the most powerful man in any community in the United States was usually the lawyer. Many of the presidents and senators and cabinet men, members, and governors were lawyers. Why? Law. Because law being basically biblical law. These men were therefore speaking in terms of common ideas, common beliefs held by every man. So when they spoke, they spoke with an appeal to the heart of every citizen. Every man knew what they were talking about when they set forth their ideals and their concepts in terms of a biblical standard of law. This made the lawyer. After the Civil War, he began to fade. After World War II, we had given way completely to the politician. Lawyers multiplied in that time, but they went down in their importance. A lawyer society does not mean that it is dominated by lawyers, but that it needs lawyers every time you turn around, because the law is now a mystery that no man can fathom. Therefore,
1: because it is a mystery,
0: no citizen can hope to understand and cope with the law must have a lawyer every time he turns around. There's a very significant fact today and when we compare Japan and the United States. Japan still has very largely a Shinto law order. That is, it's a law order based on a religious faith that... Most of the people, all the people of Japan were brought up here.
1: to they understand it.
0: As a result, in Japan, a country of a hundred million, there are only ten thousand lives. In the United States, a country of two hundred million, there are three hundred and forty thousand lawyers. quite a relationship, is it not, percentage-wise. There are very few attorneys in Japan because they still have a common religious faith as the background of their law. Now, the number of lawyers are increasing every year in Japan precisely because they are going on to a humanistic law base. Social cement has eroded. Communication between man and man is gone. Instead of men being tied by a common faith and a common morality and a common law, there is an artificial body of statutes that holds society together, and it doesn't have any roots. And as a result, the society begins to fall apart. It has been observed that today, with all the statutes there are, it will be possible for almost any man in prison, even though you have never broken the Ten Commandments in any public form. It has been demonstrated that any corporation man, president or executive, can be imprisoned, because so many statutes have been passed that are contradictory. A few years ago, some officials of various electrical firms were put into prison in a series of trials that were an amazing farce. except that the men went to prison. On the one hand, they were charged with price-fixing, and on the other hand, with unfair competition one with another. You can't win in a situation like that. This is what you have when you have statute laws that are not based on a biblical foundation, on a law concept that is open and understandable by all. We have the law piling upon law with endless contradictions. I've cited before the contradictions in the Italian law system where if everybody had all the taxes collected that should be collected from him, they would add up to 120% of his income. of the offender means restitution to the offender. In 1966, a presidential commission claimed poverty for criminality, and it urged, as the basic pattern of the cross, treatment. And that will help. Meanwhile, all around us the humanistic prison system is collapsing radically. There was recently a very grim account of what the prison systems have become in the Wall Street Journal, and I quote Philadelphia Robert, 20-year-old, a twenty year old, accused properties and check porter, should be in a county jail here. But even though Robert couldn't raise his eight hundred dollars bail, Judge Alexander F. Barbieri, Jr. set him free to await trial. Why? This boy simply would not be safe in a Philadelphia prison, the judge explained. Even if he's guilty, it would be a greater crime to keep him in prison than to allow him to repeat his offenses. Judge Barbieri still ruled because Robert was slightly built, who was a victim of homosexual rape several times, perhaps as many as ten times, while held in three trial custody. Here. Triggered by the disclosure of similar incidents, one involving a seventeen year old victim whose only crime was running away from home, a recent two month investigation found that sexual assaults are epidemic in the Philadelphia prison system. Investigators conservatively estimated that in two years there were about two thousand sexual assaults in jails here. These assaults are not unique in Philadelphia. They are common in many metropolitan jails, as far as I can say it. Homosexual rates recently have been revealed in county and city prisons in Washington, D.C. and its suburbs and in Chicago, among other places. The result of warehousing a hodgepodge of prisoners in antiquated prisons, where they have little or nothing to do, says E. Preston Sharp, secretary of the American Correctional Facility. However, the mental health hospitals these prisoners are referred to are equally, in many cases, in high What else does it mean? Men who deserve death are kept alive, put into prison, and it would take more guards than society than can afford to keep them from all kinds of perverted activities. Meanwhile, instead of correcting the matter, we are proceeding further in the direction of humanistic restitution. For example, note this case of one convicted killer in this area from the LA Times of just recently, and I quote, the convicted slayer of a Long Beach police officer has been granted an unprecedented $500 expense account, a valet, and other extraordinary privileges while he prepares to defend himself at his fifth penalty trial. Superior Judge John F. McCarthy did so, according to a formal court order of October 29, because he feels that the funds and other privileges are needed by Doyle H. Perry to adequately prepare his defense. The county will provide Terry with a licensed private investigator, two legal runners, one of whom will serve as Terry's valet, and additional cell in which files. store is filed. All the unsupervised personal telephone calls he wants to make and use of the jail law library practically will. Terry, who has spent nearly nine years on San Fenton's death row, was convicted in nineteen sixty for the slaying of Officer Vernon Jail Jerry Terry was previously sentenced to death in 1960, 1962, and 1965. Another penalty trial in 1965 ended when the jury was unable to agree unanimously on whether he should be sentenced to death or life in prison. Each of his death penalty sentences was reversed by the state Supreme Court, which retroactively applied decisions of the U.S. Supreme Court. Jerry won his second trial because in the first the prosecution commented as permitted at that time on the deterrent effects of the death penalty. He got his third trial because in the second the prosecution, as it then was allowed to do, told the jury he would be eligible for parole if given a life sentence. This latest reversal came because prospective jurors opposed to the death penalty automatically, as was then permitted, were excluded. All the privileges granted by Judge McCarthy and appear appeared to exceed those allowed other persons acting as their own lawyers
1: after refusing
0: the services of a public defender. Judge McCarthy said that the Supreme Court might just tell us, here, you deprived this man of a fair trial because you didn't let him have telephone and I don't think they would pay too much attention to us if we told them the money had not been budgeted. Officer Owen, 31 at the time, was shot in the head June 24, 1960. When he and his partner stopped to aid what they thought were two men, one of them Terry, having car trouble on Terminal Ave. Terry was captured by pursuing officers a mile from the scene of the shooting. At his first trial, he was also convicted of the five counts of robbery, and one of conspiracy to commit robbery. Now, this case could be multiplied because since then this has shown signs of becoming standard in treatment. For the environmentalist proof of the innocence of the criminal is to find something unhappy in his
1: environment.
0: Is somehow some teacher or a lack of having the best home or the best car upset him when he was young. Then he is innocent. Society is passed off. Not too long ago, a woman who had committed murder, who had murdered her husband, was up for trial, and one of the major pleas for innocence was not that she had not murdered her husband, but, as she had been fat earlier, had lost a great deal of weight and suddenly become very attractive and very popular with men and
1: had killed her husband
0: to be free and it was not her fault she didn't know how to handle her newfound popularity, and had suffered so from being fat through the years. Now this is seriously being pleaded in this girl's case. Meanwhile, the prisoners are more and more turned loose. I indicated early, earlier that only 14% of those who are convicted actually go to jail. Many of those who are pending trial are out on jail committing repeated crimes. for example not too long ago, and I quote, a Van Nuys man free on 15,000 bail pending court action involving attacks on nine women and girls in the Van Nuys area has been arrested on charges of attacking a 13-year-old girl. This offense led to his arrest on April 10, 1969. In February of 1969, this man was arrested and later arraigned on 12 counts of four four straight for foul molestation, three kidnapped, and one robbery. And yes, and the man who was given fail. Now this is the kind of thing that the humanistic law system deals with. And what is the conclusion of this all? What is the direction it is taking? Consider what one prominent sociologist and criminologist I quote from an article from the last month should state and federal authorities attempt to negotiate with the Costa Nostrum just as our State Department negotiates with hospital foreign powers. Such diplomacy might well serve the interests of non criminals suggest Dr. Donald R. F. Presley, Professor of Sociology at UC Santa Barbara. A little cold blooded appeasement is not necessarily a bad thing, especially when our side is losing the right. He states some form of negotiation or connotation or communication by state and federal officials such as is carried on by a local officials often in a haphazard rough fashion, like lessons the danger that organized criminals will achieve a monopoly on democratic processes in the United States, unquote. Perhaps you could expect soon an ambassador from the United States to the Mafia. Meanwhile, it has been revealed that the Mafia, professional criminals, has spent two billion, not two million, but two billion dollars a year in recent years to corrupt public officials, all the way up from the county sheriffs and courthouses, right up
1: into the Supreme
0: Court. Now, that statement
1: was made
0: by Victor Roussel and published across the country right up to the Supreme Court. Two billion dollars a year. Is it any wonder that we have a problem today? There's no absolute law, no biblical law. There's only state law which does not rest on any moral principle. Then why not negotiate with a criminal Why not accept their prize if there's no right and wrong? What we are having progressively is a policy of integration with everything. Integration with the criminal world. Integration downward into the vault. Our text says, Defile not ye yourselves in any of these things, for in all these the nations are defiled. In fact, that's that for and the land is declared, the therefore I do visit the iniquity thereof upon the it. And the land itself vomiteth out of her captive. He Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation nor any stranger that sojourneth among you. Sin that is tolerated, the along that's God's
1: faith, is it not possible the observation of our own eyes as we look around
0: us? We need again a physical law This in which ignorance of the law is goes because every man has the law of God inescapably written into his being
1: and has been taught him.
0: Church home let us pray. Mm-hmm. Almighty God, our heavenly Father, in thee the land that been the And we beseech thee, O Lord, to be merciful unto
1: us, thy people. Cast down those, O Lord, who defile the land, and bring thy judgment upon them, and establish us in thy righteousness. But again, by law order made prevail, and the land restored and reconstructed. Such us, for
0: this purpose, in Jesus'
1: name, Amen. Yes.
0: Yes. yes. The idea of insurance has come about as a survival of the old biblical law. It changed it down from criminal law into civil law, all actions for restitution here, but it is one of the few areas where we have the principle of restitution still surviving. However, it does not move. Strictly in terms of the biblical principle. It moves in terms of what a soft-hearted jury was. So you see, first you have to file, and here again, uh, it doesn't go to court automatically, whereas under a biblical system, it would automatically go. It wouldn't be at your expense, in other words, it's a part of
1: the criminal justice. We'll come to the
0: matter when we deal with the ninth amendment. So let's leave cross the features for
1: that time. Uh, yes.
0: Yes, to a degree they do. In other words, wherever you have a non-humanistic and a religious order other than humanistic, you have a common body of belief as intuition and Muslim law so that everybody knows it because it rests on certain basic ideas.
1: What?
0: Well, yes or no. There is a certain amount of restitution, not too much in Muslim law. Basically, it's punishment. Uh, a thief has his hand cut off. It is torture and punishment that is basic to them. But they are very quick about it. If in Saudi Arabia, for example, according to people who've been there, and other similar Arab countries, the man is convicted of theft and he's brought the trial almost instantaneously. He's taken out, his hand put on the chopping block, and that's it. idea gets away from the biblical premise that ignorance of law is excuse. How can you be knowledgeable of law in Turkey when it doesn't rest on any fundamental moral principle, or say in India or elsewhere? And as a result, countless numbers of American soldiers are imprisoned. There are many of them in Turkey, for example, but we suppress them back. The Turks have been especially vicious to our men, and many of them have been arrested for the most harmless and innocent things, and no attempt has been made to do anything about it. So it has involved a fundamental violation of any justice to our servicemen to put them under this kind of uh, situation. In some cases, in uh, some countries, American servicemen are getting their paycheck by trying to spend American money, not knowing any better than land and prison. It's this arbitrary. And this is what happens when you get away from a physical law order. When we establish the premise that any American anywhere in the world is going to be tried in terms of American law. The principle behind it was that we regarded basic law to be that which the Ten Commandments' teaches. Therefore, if he had committed murder in any foreign country, it was going to be a trial for murder. If death, then for death. Not for violating some statute of which we could never have any knowledge unless we happened to
1: study the law of our
0: country. Today, ignorance of the law is unavoidable. This is the tragic fact.
1: It's unavoidable. Therefore, we are all, in some respect criminals on the side of the law.
0: Some person who, through weakness, had committed the crime. Therefore, he would work it out because he knew that if he continued in the way he was living, he would very quickly become subject to death. Remember, I told you of the difference a few weeks ago in the architecture of Eden and other surrounding countries, and that of Israel in the law times, how these stone houses in the surrounding countries would have stone drawers with sand so that in Israel, in the times of law, the homes that were built of tremendous stone walls would have only a curtain door. You didn't have to worry about thieves coming in at night. In all normal circumstances, because of a biblical raw standard, you had eliminated a hood This was the difference. Yes. Yes. You put your finger on a very key point. The penitential system of the Catholic Church was a system whereby you uh, made atonement for your sin and gained absolution. The humanistic prison system was from the
1: inception
0: a religious thing, and so the penitentiary was a place where the convicted men were to do penance and then go forth with absolution. So it was a deliberate parody, as it were, very seriously intended of the whole
1: Catholic penitential system. Penitentiary.
0: Well, yes, Uh, to do justice to the penitential system as it originally was, First of all, the penitential system in the early centuries of Catholic uh, Church and early medieval period, as it developed, required that, first of all, you do restitution to the civil order. So if you had stolen, you made restitution. Then, within the Church, to assure the priest that you were truly repentant you were penalized or required to go through certain penitential
1: offices to
0: convince them that, well, you made restitution not only because you were required to do it, but because you were truly repentant. So the penitential system originally did require restitution. Later on, it just became a series of exercises,
1: as it were,
0: a of exercises. Well, our time is up.